As the years pass, I find myself more and more often playing the game, when did I last see, then you put a name in there, yeah, like when did I last see Eddie Chernish? Now, Eddie lived on our street, he was about three houses up from us, and for 15 or 20 years of my life, Eddie was a member of my weekly and at times my daily routine. We met often. In fact, his front porch was where all the young people met in later years, and we played board games, I think, from 10 in the morning in the summer till 10 at night. And then one day, Eddie was gone. Now, there was no trauma or disagreement or emotional parting of the ways. It's just that he was no longer there. He was a couple of years younger than I was, and so obviously he went, stayed in high school when I went off to university. And you may ask, well, when did you last see Eddie Chernish? And I honestly don't know. I presume at some point I was walking up the street, and he was on his porch, and I said, hi, Eddie, how are you? And he said, hi, Grant, how are you? And maybe we exchanged some information about how our lives were, and then probably one of us waved goodbye and said, see you, not realizing that we would never see one another again. It is strange how people, places, routines, habits, how all of these sometimes drift out of our lives completely and we don't really miss them or notice them even until they're gone. I presume most of you have friends like Eddie that you haven't seen in years and I, as I talk today you're thinking about them. Or there's that restaurant Still there on the corner, he used to go about twice a month, and now haven't been there since 2011. Dorothy and I used to play backgammon regularly. I don't think the backgammon board has been off the shelf in the last 15, 20 years. Things come. Things go. So it is this morning that I would like to say that sometimes it's wise to stop and reflect on some of the things we have lost is that maybe at times a very wise activity to take part in, because sometimes we lose things and that loss has great consequences. Sometimes life is not as full because something has drifted away. This morning I'm going to think of two particular aspects of our society that used to be in the center spotlight. They were there, they were simply considered as part of what we lived out as community. And now they've drifted off into the shadowy periphery and we don't think about them or see them nearly as often. And those aspects I am speaking of are trust and respect. See, it used to be there was a time when politicians, doctors, lawyers, community workers, professors, ministers, were just by nature respected. People looked up to them and listened to them and said, wow, you know, if that person said that, you know, that must be exactly what's happening. Now, I admit that even in those days, there were a few of each of those groups that probably weren't as respected, but in general, that was the theme of society. Leaders were looked upon and they led and they were trusted to do so. Not now, eh? No, it's a very, very different world. Uh, respect is at an all-time low, and distrust has replaced it as sort of a central theme of our society. When politicians talk, or when 
lawyers talk, sometimes even when ministers talk, there's always a, yeah, of course, they say that, but that's not really what's happening. In their book, The Coddling of the American Mind, Greg Lubianoff and Jonathan Haida reflect on this loss of respect and trust in our society and how it is creating a society that is gradually being ripped apart. Now, there have always been groups in society, groups who believe this, groups who believe that, groups who like doing this thing, groups who like doing the other thing. They've always been there. But you could flow between the groups. You could uh, be a member of this group and also a member of this group. And now it's, it's becoming far more closed. You know, we even used to have a party in Canada called the Progressive Conservatives. Now, today, you see, there's a huge wall between those two thoughts. But, you know, well, we're sort of progressive and we're conservative in this way. And, and that was seen as being perfectly logical and, and good. But now, no, no, no. You're here or you're there. And we don't, we don't mix. You know, you like, no, I better not point at anybody. We like Donald Trump <laughs> or, or we don't like Donald Trump. We're for pipelines or you're against pipelines. You know, you like immigration. You think it's a great idea. I'm totally against uh, immigration. You like singing him 274? I don't like him singing him 74. And we're splitting right down the center. More and more, we are separating into little pockets of self-righteousness from which we look out at the other people and say, those people are on the outside and they're wrong. Lubianov have looked at these trends in our society, which are very real, and see three basic themes. First, an increase in extremism. Second, an intensifying sense of threat. We're always being threatened by something. And third, an escalating mood of anger. An increase in extremism. They cite a Pew Center for Research in Washington, D.C. polls, which looked upon people in the 1990s. And if, for example, you were a conservative in the 1990s, they would put out uh, 10 things that conservatives believe. You might believe two of them. You might believe three, maybe four. And maybe you have some very liberal ideas as well. But that was okay. You know, you'd still identify yourself. I think I'm a conservative, but, you know, when it comes to this issue, I'm uh, over there. And the same could be said on the other side. You know, well, I, I'm, I'm certainly a liberal, but, you know, when it comes to this, I, I think I have to agree with those people. But there, there was this flow of ideas and this willingness to say, well, yeah, I'm here, but, you know, my heart also identifies some things over there. And this seems to be gone. I have a friend who works in downtown Calgary, and I think they were in the core area for eating the other day. And uh, they were sitting around the table, and the last member of the group came in with his tray and his burger and his uh, Coke with a straw in it. Well, one of the members of the table just went crazy. You've got a plastic straw! And she, but she tore into him. I mean, the poor man, you know, he just got over and got a burger, and they put a straw in it when he was sitting down and going to lunch. But there was an anger there, and it was out, totally out of proportion to one straw. And Well, it's, it's about the ecology, yeah, but... It's just one guy, and he bought something, and they stuck a straw in his drink. You know, he hasn't ruined the world. And my friend said the irony is that the man she was chastising is probably one of the most eco-aware people around. He's had his whole house redone to be more eco-friendly, but he did have that straw in his drink. 
And what we have to relearn is that not everything is just black and white. Not everything is just right or wrong. There are those shades of gray. And this extremism, you know, that you have to believe everything and it's all about this and you can't make any mistakes, is leading also then to this sense of threat. Because after all, if I'm right in my position and you say something else, that means that you must be wrong. And I hope I'm not always picking on one side or the other. That's the trouble with the round here. But, uh, but see, that's it. We, we, we sense that, that our safety, my ideas... The things I hold are being challenged by someone who has different ideas. And I heard uh, Greg Lubananoff on an interview the other day, and he was saying how difficult this makes it to teach at university. Because you have to bring up difficult topics. Topics on which, even within the scholastic community, there are no definite answers. But you have to talk about them. And now he's finding, and he said it's becoming an epidemic, especially in the Ivy League schools on the East and West Coast, that if you bring up a topic that is perhaps controversial, immediately you're going to hear that I'm no longer safe in your classroom. You know, you mentioned that. I can't go there. I, I'm not safe there anymore because you have different ideas than I do. And he said, you know, universities by nature cannot be safe. Now, I don't mean physical safeness here. We're not talking about that sort of thing. But we are talking about psychological idealistic safeness, because the reason you go to university is to have your ideas challenged. Are they really good? You believe this? Great. Prove it to me. Have some backup. If you've fallen into this camp or with these ideas, that's absolutely wonderful, but you have to be able to defend them for me. And just to say, when I say, I think you're wrong with that, well, I can't be wrong. You know, I, I'm walking out. This is not a place where I'm safe. And this, this sort of an attitude is becoming more and more endemic in our society. And finally, this is, again, linked to a sense of anger, the sense that happened in that straw debate, when you know one straw in a drink, maybe once in a lifetime, has become, uh, my uh, friend described it as, as if he'd come up to the table with a knife and was threatening them all. No, it's just a straw. They're not good ideas. We, we actually agree on that, but you know, it's just a straw. Get things in proportion. And we do seem to have this... Lack of humor and lack of nuance. You know, there's no longer, you know, well, yeah, you've certainly mucked up there. But rather, it's just simply, you've, you've made me angry. You've challenged my ideas, and therefore, I'm going to become angry, and I'm going to act it out. And by the way, there's, a, I think, a fascinating sense of hypocrisy here in the sense that many of the people who talk about you know, being angry and offended by things all the time are the very people who say, we all have to learn to be whoever we want to be. You know, We all have to learn to be open to other people and, and welcome all the other people. Well, of course, unless they're those other people. <laughs> no, 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 no. 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 Uh, you're either open to listening to other people or not. At the same time, I think this gives an opportunity, this whole theme in society of mistrust and fear and anger, give us as a church a wonderful opportunity to be the church, the real church of Christ. Now, I'm not saying that if we act properly here in Red Deer Lake always and love one another that suddenly the entire world is going to change, but this is where we, we test it out. This is where we, we see what it really means, that we are indeed all one body. We're all in this together. 
For just as the body is one and has many members, and all the members of the body, though many, are one body, so it is with Christ. So it is with us. For in the one spirit we were all baptized into one body. Jews or Greeks, slaves or free, and we were all made to drink of the same spirit. Isn't that wonderful? We are together. And of course, always beyond talk about the church is to talk about the world. This is how the world should be. Somehow sensing that we're all part of it. First thing we can do is to face uh, the world and see all people as the children of God. Now you are the body of Christ and individually members of it. We have to stop playing football and begin playing the game of truth. See, in football, it's all about winning. It doesn't, care, it doesn't matter how good you looked on the field or how many yards you passed for. It matters what the scoreboard says at the end of the game. And many people still live their lives that way. It's about winning. My side, my ideas, my thoughts, what I want has to win. And that's it. And that means you and you and you and you, you're going to lose. Too bad. No, we're here to find truth. And truth is always big enough that it includes everyone. We've got to find a truth in which I won't win completely, but some of my ideas you can nod to and say, yeah, that's good, but we've also got to think about that and that and that. It, it becomes a widening of the mind, a widening of the idea that it's not about getting my motion passed at the board and then when I get my motion passed, I get a star. I hope you don't give out stars, do you? Kim? You know, you didn't get a star today, you got a motion passed. No, it's about the board meeting together and discussing things and saying, what's best for the whole group here? And how do we include everyone? And, and acting in order to do that. And as all of us being aware, this is what's happening. This is what makes it interesting. So we see all people as the children of God. And then we face the threats of the world with patience and reason, not anger. If one member suffers, if somebody's hurt, all suffer together with it. This is the way it works. If one person, well, why are they, you know, they should be feeling comfortable here. Why isn't that person feeling comfortable here? Well, what's, what's the problem? If one member is honored, all rejoice together with it. Wow, you got something, a wonderful gift. I, I feel you're a wonderful part of our community. I'm glad you were honored. We are all together. I've noticed something in the United Church, and I preach, as I've said before, in seven churches in Calgary off and on, and I've noticed one thing that's got much longer in the last ten years are the invitations and the welcome to worship. It used to be, God is with us, yep, now it's good. <laughs> that, that was it. And now we're, we're inviting people, we're making sure that all people realize they're welcome, we're making sure they know that we're an open community, and we're doing this because I think this is what people are looking for and need to hear somewhere in the world, that we are all in this together. No matter who you are, what's your background? I remember people, a woman telling me, well, I, I don't think I completely believe everything the United Church believes anymore. And I said, and you know that because? No, you believe what you believe, and you're part of the United Church, and we're going to discuss what we believe and how we believe it and how it affects our lives together. And you see, it's not then about getting or catching, or outing people. This is where we've gone in society. The, the, what gives people a sense of importance, especially, I'm sorry to say this, but a younger generation brought up on the internet, this is what gets people. I got them. 
You know, I caught him. I caught her. I got you eating from that, drinking from that straw. Ah, see, I win a point. I got you drinking from the straw. And that's not what life is about. Um, Lubianov goes on to say that at uh, NYC right now, for about a year, in the washrooms, there are boxes where you can out your professor for making you feel uncomfortable, anonymously. Just go in there and said, today I felt uncomfortable because my professor said this. Wouldn't it be wiser and better after the class, if you got up, went over the professor, and said, you know, you mentioned that today in class, and I don't understand it, and it makes me feel uncomfortable. He'd probably say, let's go have a coffee and talk about it. And then you'd understand him, he would understand you, and everybody would understand one another. This is the way you solve disputes. You don't just solve disputes by anonymously saying, go get that guy over there, I think he's bad. No, you talk it out, you work it out, you bring things into life, new ideas. I think one major question is, why are you angry? Why don't you like this? And you know, it's amazing when you begin asking questions like that, they're kind of responses, and you'll say, oh... I never thought about that. Or, oh, no, you didn't understand what was happening there at all. This is what the bigger picture is. It's a wonderful process of becoming community by listening to one another, responding to one another, and being able to make changes for one another. You know, I didn't think you were a straw person. And I guess you are, eh? No, I, I just got it stuck in my drink. Oh, end of the discussion. And finally, and most importantly, we have to live in love. That's the bond. For in one spirit we are all baptized into one body. Jews or Greeks, slaves or free. That's a very radical statement to make in the first century, by the way. Jews and Greeks can get along. Slaves and free people would eat the same meal at the same time, in the same place. That's absolutely almost beyond believing. And we are all made to drink of one spirit. We live in love. We don't divide ourselves. We don't get angry. We live in love. I'm going to tell a story now, which is a true story, and it's one that I still have a certain amount of emotion attached to. Uh, Knox United Church began doing what we called at the time covenanting services uh, between gay couples back in the 1980s. It wasn't called marriage because our lawyers said you can't call it marriage because then you're doing something you can't do. And at that time, there was a lot of friction in the church. There were people who agreed, people disagreed, people were uncertain, and we worked it out. And one of the people always on the disagreeing side was this one gentleman I'm going to talk about now. Up in 2005, of course, the federal government finally said we could do legal uh, same-sex marriages. But we wanted to be sure, you know, let's make sure we got people on side for this. We're going to make you know, the jump to legality. We had another meeting, and it was decided we would. And at the end of the meeting, <laughs> up from the back of the room came my friend. And as a minister, you put on your shields. They automatically go up. And, okay, uh, you know, whatever he's going to say to me, I'll listen, and I'll try to do my best. And he came up to me, and he stuck out his hand. He said, Grant, you know, I still don't disagree. I agree with you on this. You know, I don't agree with you at all. But you know what? I'm a member of this place, and I love it as much as you do, and you're not going to get rid of me. And he shook my hand, and until he died several years later, he was there. That 
is what we're talking about. Not, I don't agree with you, and therefore I'm walking out the door and I'll never see you again. I don't agree with you, and therefore you must be wrong, and I'm going to go around and tell everyone you're wrong. I don't agree with you. We do have some things we need to talk about, but you know, we have so much that we share, so much that we love, so much that binds us together as this body of Christ. And that's who we are. One body. One people. We're not winning. We're not losing. We're loving. We're acting. We're not here to point out the faults of all the people around us or to think that they're going to be pointing out ours. We're here to hug each other and live through our differences, our disagreements, our failures, and our joys. And in doing that, we discover that we are baptized into one body and the Spirit of Christ. And for this, thanks be to God. So I want to